Reports coming in from around the ship. Enjoyment shields are down to 34%. We have angry rant breaches across the past three episodes. Our pure fucking hubris for coming into this jabroni circus. We knew it would be garbage in here, but they lured us in. Yeah, pro tip. Don't let your nostalgia get the better of your judgment. But our intro music was so tight. Yeah, that music was dope. Ian and Sarah. Peter, we are losing core humor containment here. We are about to be reduced to pissy neckbeards. What the hell do we do? Think, Joe. What would Janeway do? Yeah, what? What would she do? Blow up the ship! It's the only thing that makes sense. Blow up the goddamn ship. It should restore us to our old timeline. You know, like that year of hell thing no one was supposed to remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I, sir, preparing for review inversion in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to V'ger, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. The what? The Delta Quadrant. The Delta Quadrant. Like, like the junky old Kazon Delta Quadrant? Yes, filled with Kmart uh, Klingons and I, I don't know, whatever the fuck that was that had weird shit on its head for like 15 episodes. Wow, Joe, I never thought I'd be happy to be back in the Delta Quadrant. Uh, I'm your co-host, Peter, and I want you all out there in podcast land to take a deep breath in. Let it out. And push that motherfucker Picard out of your memory forever. If you need therapy, uh, we can't help you, but, you know, we understand. Um, but instead of actual therapy as a special treat to reset everyone's you know, internal engines, hate engines. And the fact that this is actually going to be our hundredth episode when it comes out, uh, got a little treat, got a little special treat. Uh, Peter, um, could you just go over to that console over there? I have two guys. I'm going to beam in from some place where apparently all the wildlife tries to kill you. Um, just give me one second. All right. You ready? Uh, yep. All right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Okay. I've got, uh, got their patterns. Okay, uh, I'm reading some interesting uh, sensor data here, Joe. I, there seems to be some sort of a, a musical instrument in the pattern. Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm going to try not to lose them. I, I don't think we, have the, oh, we don't have the insurance for that. BWC uh, can't take another hit. Go easy. <laughs> uh, all right. Here, here. We got him. Oh. Uh, here. Oh. oh, oh, my God. I, I suddenly feel like I'm in a different hemisphere, and I'm, I feel dead inside. Like, like my soul, <laughs> my soul could be ripped from my body. Well, that, what that actually is, is uh, daylight savings time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. <sighs> uh, allow me to introduce our two special guests to help us celebrate episode 100. Uh, that is uh, Mike and Taryn from Hail and Well Met, uh, who were kind enough to employ Peter and I as voice actors. Uh, and we found it only appropriate to reciprocate by having them come along on a hateful journey with us. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you oh, very much. Thank you so much. 
It's a it's a pleasure to be in the Delta Quadrant and, and away from uh, you know watching Picard. <laughs> yeah. I like I like that it's not it's a pleasure to be away from uh, the coronavirus or I, I assume <laughs> Australia is still like ninety percent on fire. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, all it's of 90% our news on fire, and then the other ten percent that's alive is now like super hard bitten <laughs> and ready to fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, so well, the fires are—I think they're mostly extinguished. But then we had we like immediately had a flood. Like one of the guys that we worked with <laughs> lost, lost the bottom floor to his house like a week after the fires, um, because it was flooded. It, it, yeah, it's a mess down here. Yeah, there was the great the great toilet paper shortage of, of February twenty twenty that we had to live through. Hashtag, oh, no. you know, we had, we, 30 bucks. We had that in March. <laughs> we, uh, we, we've, we we just had that run. <laughs> it's mm. uh, hell. We live in a hell world. Uh, but fortunately, we're now watching Good Trek, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's back to being uh, tolerable. Well, I mean, even Voyager seems like amazingly good after uh, after the travesty of Picard. But anyway, we're not going to. We're not going to be negative. <laughs> That's right. Trash talk. That's it's, right. You know, it's all good from this point on. Uh, Taryn, I understand you're the one that actually is the big Trek fan of the two of you. Yeah, I um, may have been well and truly invested in, in the Trek world since being a little kid. Um, I blame my parents. Um, not that there's much to blame. It was a good thing. I do, go. too. <laughs> I, do, I do, too. Um, it's, 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 it's terrible what they've done to yeah, us. It's, it's a hard life. And you know, we've just got to struggle through every single day trying to deal with the, the constant reminder that there was good Trek out there. <laughs> and those days are gone so far gone. and they're never coming back no matter who they employ despite the desperate grab you guys have made to try to uh you know, revitalize a 25 year old franchise yeah <laughs> well uh, as i often say i've never seen any of this before so it's all fresh to me and i'm, I'm sorry that you guys are living through painful reminders of what used to be but uh <laughs> as far as i'm concerned season four and forward i mean these are 2020 fresh productions netflix originals <laughs> well it's all it's all new for me i uh so you know i feel like i need a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast i'm certainly not a seasoned hater and there is still trek that i haven't watched so i'm, I'm still relatively new to the trek world um i one of the customers that i work with suggested oh you know you're, you're a massive nerd you'd enjoy star trek um and sort of couldn't believe i hadn't watched it before and he said like Given that you're new to it, why don't you try watching it in like chronological order? Start with Enterprise it's and then like move on to. World. Yeah, it, it, well, it worked oh, for God. me. So you, you fucking degenerate started that <laughs> bullshit on the Facebook group, and like, how dare you expose other people? There could be a children around. That, <laughs> yeah, eight that, children. Yeah, it's not, that, that, it's not very spicy, is it? You know, but it has been a long. It's road. it sounds. It's yeah. not very good it's, either. It, it felt it felt like a rejected Rod Stewart cover, you know, like Rod Stewart had a chance to cover that. And he's like, you know what? No, this is too cheesy for me. I don't it think I'm going to do it. It truly is the Picard of Star Trek theme music. <laughs> too, too cheesy for Rod Stewart. Too cheesy for Rod Stewart. Wow. That's, that's Rod pretty Stewart cheesy. was my first concert. Hey, oh, nice. Yeah, I had to... <laughs> We'll, we'll skip that story. Don't worry, mine was, <laughs> my, painful memories coming up. My, no one give no one gives a fuck. Here, here's the fun part of that story. I watched a lady trip down uh, hockey bleacher stairs and hit her head on the corner of that oh, heavy plastic shit. thing. And I figured that she would have had to go to like the hospital or something after she cracked the shit out of her head. 
Uh, and later on, they were letting people like kind of dance around the stage by Rod Stewart and her drunk, crazy ass oh, yeah. crawled up on stage and uh, pulled his pants down. And then she got tackled by security. <laughs> oh, nice. I thought, see, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, she was up there throwing her panties. Nope. She went full, full uh, pulling the pants down of Rod, Rod Stewart. So yeah, she went yeah my, the- my, I doff my hat to you, madam, wherever you are. Mike, I see you have a musical instrument. I, I do. I uh, I was thinking, you know, it's I don't know whether it's tradition. It should be tradition that um, whenever you guys have like a, a special guest. See, I'm, I'm fucking it up for all the future special guests now. But um, maybe they should attempt to play poorly the, the Voyager theme on their like instrument of choice. Um, OK, so I, I, I thought I might have a go. So, uh, yeah, uh, right. Take, take it away, everyone. OK. Ah, shit. All right, perfect. <laughs> I was about to say, this is fucking terrible, but you really you stuck it at the ending. There you oh, go. Nice recovery. Nice recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody out there, if you're interested in, uh, in acquiring that for your ringtone on your cell phone, we'll make it available for $7.99. <laughs> PayPal. Uh, Probably monetize from this point forward. <laughs> No Casper ads for us, but we will be selling terrible ringtones. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, what, what you need to do is, like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, become a patron, and this fantastic ringtone can be yours as well. <laughs> Gotta I, get I that money. To, yeah. Before we launch into talking about uh, our episode here, <laughs> why don't you take an opportunity to tell our listeners about your podcast? And it's many, because you guys are men of many talents. I'm going to let Taryn take this away. He's better at marketing. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we're men of many commitments. Um, our ability to follow through on them is uh, somewhat hampered by life, kids, work, and, you know, viruses, floods, fires, and, you know, the rest of the to- killer animals. That Australia shit. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we um, we do a dnd based story driven podcast i've got to add that in because you know the dnd purists sit there and, and get a bit annoyed at us because we don't do dice rolls every five seconds of the game which while fun is also incredibly boring at times um so it's oh, a thank god you don't that's why i like your show yeah. like allow me to be the one to say like that's why i like it <laughs> and that's why we like doing thank it because kind of rule of cool is is how we handle 99 percent of everything we do if it's fun then sure Let's go do it. So, uh, yeah, we, we started that podcast up about two and a half, three, almost three years ago, something around that. No, two years ago. It's it's all gone like a blur. But um, where I, I DM the storyline and make sure things sort of sort of stay on track. And Mike voices Kelgar the Barbarian, who is this uh, massive dragonborn, flame-breathing, you know, anti-charismatic uh, we have a few other voices on there, and uh, at the end of the day, it's a good, fun listen through. And but on top of that, as you two have been involved in, we also do a oh my God. short story. Do we have to pay you guys for ad space? Oh, yeah. Far out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> let's, let's Sorry, be real. Tarrant. You you let us plug ourselves before your show. Okay, like, okay, okay. Yeah. There's a reciprocation here in this in this world that we. You know, we're, I'm loud, I'm trading stories with you. That's, <laughs> That's what's pleasurable. Before we to go me. too deep into this, I want to swing back to the D and D portion. Yeah. Uh, and and I think most of our guys out there are uh, gamers to some 
point. So uh, we've gotten several writing questions about this. Uh, the the system that you guys are running is this D twenty? Uh, it's uh, you, we used to D twenty, but no, we um with pad, yeah pen and paper on the on the table. No, I mean it's it's a, it's a D twenty system. Oh, you yes. guys running third yeah. gen, third ed, fifth ed. Uh, fifth, right, uh, it's so, a fifth, fifth edition, yeah, uh, pure D and D setup. But okay. and a, then I I do have another uh, question here from our <laughs> listeners. That I'm assuming that we have uh, incorporated the uh, book of erotic fantasy from 2006. That's always a fan favorite. <laughs> uh, they haven't they haven't discovered it yet, but uh, you know it's always it's always a way of showing Some good up, feats uh, in there. In the story somehow. Some some great feats and plot hooks in that one. <laughs> yeah, the other one is the Shorts Podcast, which is this um, short story compilation podcast of um, varied authors, and it's sort of open to anyone. So, you know, literally anyone, listener or uh, or not, has a story idea that they've always wanted to do something more with, but haven't got the balls to get off the couch and do something else with it. Uh, we try to badly voice act it and turn it into an audio drama, which... Uh, I, and it's badly you're underselling yourselves. You do guys did a fantastic job. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed working on the one that we did for appreciation and and uh, your your talent in not just uh, I know Taryn you wrote that one I did yeah but writing a, a an engaging audio drama but then engineering it in that way is no small feat. So everyone should listen. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To, to and those are great because like. You, you can just pick up whatever one of those and and listen through. Exactly. You know, like yeah. it doesn't require you to invest yourself in a whole like series. No, it's individual stories. I think the shortest one we've got is about 12 minutes long. The longest one on there is about 45 or something like that. So it's kind of pick your theme, pick your, uh, you know, pick what you want to listen to for the day and go ahead, have a listen, have a bit of fun, put it down, come back to it six months later and listen to another one or whenever you want to. So don't have to they're not serialized they're not uh linked in any way shape or form but uh they're just there to have a bit of fun and a bit of a listen to well with that out of the way i'm gonna go ahead and let you two gentlemen from down under bring us into our discussion sure thing all right well uh in, in that case mikey hello should i call you mikey is that too colloquial too uh casual taryn we've known each other long enough for you to call me whatever you want <laughs> Yeah, you should see me winking at you. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mikey, uh, what did we listen to this week? No, we're not listening to. We, we didn't listen to anything. We're, we're talking now and listening. Sorry, guys. We listened and watched. What did we watch this week? We watched season four, episode 24, Demon. Boy, howdy. Uh, <laughs> I, I put a post up on the, the trauma support group, and it's uh, the classic not sure if meme. And it was not sure if great episode or just not Picard. And that was not a joke. Like, I'm sitting there watching this thing and I just stop and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this really a good episode or did Picard really leave such a bad taste in my mouth that like looking at a bubblegum wrapper could have been a good Star Trek experience? Hmm. 
so i mean because because we were like um super nervous about making sure we did a good job with you guys um i i, I must have watched it maybe four times um i don't know how how many times taryn taryn watched it but like the first time i watched it i was i was right there with you i was like this is this is good it's like proper star trek you know but then i the third and fourth times i watched it i'm like this is fucking ridiculous like some of the <laughs> some of the decisions but uh anyway we'll we'll get on to that it it was everything a classic Voyager episode can be, and that made it so precious to me. Like, after we've been through so much, after we've been through so much with Picard, and then watching this, it was like, it really was coming home to that, the loving embrace of your grandmother, except she stinks of cigarettes and her cooking is still bad, but <laughs> it's so familiar. Yes, bring me, bring me in. Yes, excellent. Like that's, and that's what it felt like. It, it, it was classic in the sense that uh, it had some really interesting ideas and then some really bad shit loco ones <laughs> and uh, didn't explain itself super well. And uh, instead though, instead of being annoyed with it, I loved, I loved it because of these things. <laughs> nice. More I think power on that to, yeah. scale of um, relativism, yeah, you have sort of a, you have good in the middle. You have Picard at the very, very far end of terrible, <laughs> and Voyager generally, and this episode specifically, is still on the not good side of the line, but it's much further, mm. much, much closer to the good side. Something that I've noticed as we have done, you know, the past hundred episodes of Voyager is that there's two types of good. There's a legit good type of Star Trek and mm. sci-fi in general uh, to watch. Uh, and what's interesting is that's not always a good kind of Star Trek to talk about on a podcast and hold people's attention. So the other type of good, the podcast good is like just something real meaty that you can sink your teeth into and there's cool stuff to talk about. And then you can do fun criticisms and, and thought exploration. Like what the fuck were they thinking? Which certainly this episode is a bullseye in the, what the fuck? Like the last two minutes are just completely fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, I would say it almost crazier than fucking threshold was. So I've, yeah, well, it, because it's, it's the last 45 seconds. It's like, they don't, they're like, and like this is how it ended like and literally for the the ship flies off and there's no fucking explanation just like uh 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 uh, okay uh i want to start off with what we have um you know what let's start off with the concept of the episode this is basically an episode of voyager running out of gas right Mm, base gas legit right yeah it's 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 duration and duress that is supposed to be the theme of the show and they've ran out of everything else so i assume that it's appropriate at some point we have to worry about gasoline yes, space gas whatever the hell it is right they ran out it makes sense there's none of us that could possibly have found any reason to object to that <laughs> or is there cuz <laughs> and sorry to cut you off but I mean, don't get me wrong. I I appreciate that we finally get an episode that specifically deals with with the resource crunch kind of idea, right? I mean, and I know I know you guys have talked about this countless times in the in the in previous episodes. I guess my pet peeve with this idea coming up now is we're, we're four years into this. Surely by now it would have made more sense to have this kick in 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 a, a season one or a season two episode, which conceptually I think would have worked better, but. 
it's um yeah this whole idea of these guys running out of running out of I I think I called it when I was taking some notes some space MacGuffin because it kind of felt like a we need a plot hook and that's as good as we're going to get because <laughs> a number of things really really bugged me with it realistically first of all surely the ship would have been able to make some sort of announcement to the crew or some sort of alert or something here that would have given us a lot more advance notice than hey we're all about to run out of petrol you know and you're all going to die just yeah, the space up. fuel light could have the space fuel light could have popped up on you know Belanda's console or whatever. Yeah, yeah, ma- like, maybe that's boop, broken. Yeah, boop, boop. can yeah. someone give me a, a real quick? I haven't actually uh, looked up what this was. Deuterium, right? Yes. Yeah. What? Uh, where does that fit into the science of uh, warp physics? Let me scroll down. Yeah, on my I page. thought it was. I thought it was about dilithium, right? But then again, no, I was, I was specifically deuterium. Was what they? Oh no, I know, but I thought their warp core used dilithium. My <laughs> understanding of dilithium. Hold on, okay, I gotta find go. my neck beard real quick. We're hold on, nerdy. hold on, <laughs> hold on, guys. Just be a second. All right, here, I got it on now. Okay. Right, nice. uh, hey, actually, dilithium is the element by which it catalyzes the warp reaction. It's not actually the fuel. Right. right now, I'm gonna take a fucking shower, and I'll be right back. So hold on. Hey, can you pass me the uh, neck beard for a sec? <laughs> okay, here you go, buddy. I got you. Here it is. Um, so you, you're right, and that's exactly how it works. The deuterium uh, is the fuel source that fuels the matter-antimatter reaction that is then channeled by the dilithium into the warp core, and bam, it rides the lovely warp shock warp shockwave that the nacelles create through the whole reaction process. But I'm just I'm just gonna pick my brains up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but, and we fucking just knew that. I mean, what useful knowledge has escaped my brain? Because I know that dilithium is not the fuel, but the catalyzing reagent for warp drive. Exactly. Like, what when I say the others, like I don't remember my dad's birthday, but I remember <laughs> that. Like, I'm a terrible son, is what this is about. Well, given that your parents put you onto Star Trek to start with, it's ultimately their fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I'll teach you. Mm-hmm. My question keeps coming back to, though, why did they have a deuterium shortage in the first place? Because clearly the writers didn't bother to do their own research on their own show. Again, yeah, recurring theme through this. You know, situations like this and, and cutting them the benefit of the doubt, I think it's fair to assume that, you know, this might have been a situation that came up before and has already been addressed, but it's sloppy writing in that they didn't say, uh, you know, just some throwaway line, you know, it's been too many planets since our last fill up. We were in some sort of like, you know, shortage sector or it's it's one little line. Yeah. You know, exactly what we're getting to in this running out of gasoline, something this important and having it kind of feel like it's been dropped in our laps is city silly. And this is a this is a Kenneth Biller or a Kenneth Bewilder, uh, as we like to call him episode. And I think it fits very nicely in his catalog of like, there's a really good plot he wants to tell. And sometimes the, the details to make it a nice tidy net to hold the episode uh, aren't really there and locking in. I, I think it's interesting when they start going through uh, their, their, their power control steps they're taking to make this thing work while they're riding empty. Um, <clears throat> they go into what they call a gray power mode. And that's kind of like uh their energy super energy efficient and did you notice when they were cut talking about the system that they were cutting that holodex got mentioned 
I didn't notice that. Yes, yes, I did. I did notice that after all of the, oh, this thing is not a thing that we uh, can control or use to our advantage. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. a that was a big part of the first couple episodes of Voyager was explaining because there are a lot of holodeck interactions in this uh, in this series was that the holodeck matrix uses some specific power source that has no application anywhere else in the ship. And that's why they're allowing this this power rich environment to exist is because it, it doesn't factor into anything else. Uh, I, I was going to say like you, you're absolutely on the money. There was a line in, I think one of the opening scenes where, where uh, KJ, as I'm going to call her now. Thanks. <laughs> thanks Rafi. Um, <laughs> where she says, <laughs> I veto this. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, where where Janeway says, uh, you know, uh, she asks something about uh, how are we going looking for alternative fuel sources? And I'm thinking, like, why wouldn't they have changed that line to, to something like, you know, how is the, the research going uh, into, you know, alternative fuel searches or something so that it's not, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to what's happening in this episode, but it establishes that, yep, they've known that they're eventually going to run out of fuel and and, you know, what have they been doing about it? Uh, but that there, there, there doesn't really seem to be any of that unless unless I missed it. But I would also say another good way for them to have gotten themselves out of this is just some sort of fire on the ship or accident compromising their existing stockpile. And that's what's created an emergency shortage. Yep. Yeah, it was not explained. They're just out of gas. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we need gas or we'll all going to die. Bum, bum, oh, no, bum. guys. I was going to say, and this episode specifically needs that because literally two episodes back um, at 22, um, unforgettable that, you know, the Jakota gets a secret girlfriend episode, that the start of that, if you throw your mind back, <laughs> the start of that episode. Jakota's Canadian girlfriend, you wouldn't know. <laughs> exactly. yeah, Jakota's Australian girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's be on brand here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, wrong colony. That whole episode kicks off with with Harry having a chat with I think it's it's Jakoday, um, saying that we're having a we're running short on deuterium and has some techno babbly sort of stuff, um, but where Seven made some modifications to the Basard collectors and increased their efficiency by twenty three percent, and and then he goes and says that they're now full. Well, almost full, and he needs to go and have a have a powwow with Seven about how full they are and how can we detect it better and all that sort of stuff. So, literally two episodes back, deuterium was fixed. This whole this whole fuel shortage was fixed, and the episode between that and now was our um, uh, seven hundred years in the future Doctor episode. So we got to assume nothing important yeah, happened in the universe, right? But but when uh, Harry was giving that speech, uh, did he have an eye patch on? He did not. Okay, well then we're fine. Okay. I mean, the deuterium it... thing's a no issue. We're 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 in safe waters. Uh they start doing their <laughs> it's so fucking bad. They start doing uh their emergency control, you know, they're turning off power on decks. Uh people are having to leave their quarters. We get uh Tuvok needlessly hassling Neelix in the hallway for uh, whatever fucking reason. Yeah. And like I and again, I I'm I'm going to spare everybody my Tuvix Tuvok, Neelix, Rant, like, these guys should know each other inside and out, but, like, wh- why is Tuvok gotta be a ball buster about fucking Neelix's blanket? Like, who gives that? <laughs> that his mum made. How does, how, 
Yeah, yeah. that's mum, mate. It's his. It's literally his like security blanket, you know. And and to, and and they were the same person, so he should know what it means. And yes. And furthermore, how does that use any fucking deuterium? Like, what does he give a fuck yeah. if the guy's got Who a cares? pillow? Like, Who cares if you have your fucking book, your physical paper book, like uh, your book Jesus. that could go inside your like. You want him to be uncomfortable with your shitty institutional blankets. You're you're telling him he can't fucking have a book. He like Tuvok quit being such a fucking Nazi and like persecuting you. Like literally, uh, no, we need that for energy. Throw that book in the bonfire. <laughs> just just uh, the just, end I just, result. Just fucking die. I just I don't know what else to say. <laughs> the end result is uh, Neelix getting the bright idea that he does not have to go to whatever communal home they're trying to shove him into and that he's going to go and try and live in the sick bay where he's going to have more space and a better bed. I guess it was this was before the, the credit teaser, right? The uh... Uh, yeah, it was. So we have we have a few scenes before the credit teaser. There's like the bit where Void just flying through space, the lights go out and they work out they're running out of fuel. Then we got a scene in the hallway, which is, yeah, the, the two vaccine where, um you know, the flop house relocation, as I like to call it. And then uh, there's the scene in Astrometrics with Chakotay, you know, basically giving Seven of Nine a hard time, even though she's going to save the day. And then we cut to with the With some very, very close talking. I don't know. Very oh, the close closest. Talking. He's like, been going to the hope- Catherine Janeway school of uh, no personal space. <laughs> That's part of the deuterium shortage is, you know, they got to conserve heat maybe and and be as close as physically possible in that big ass astrometrics bay yeah well when they run out of you know neelix's books and, and pillows and security blankets to burn <laughs> um then you know what else are they gonna do i i do love that we hit the trope right right off the bat about uh seven of nine decided to just completely disobey orders and do what she wanted to do and there was minimal pushback on that it was basically she got to be like well hey hey seven uh, would you mind doing the thing we told you to do? Uh, I know you've consistently been, you know, completely uh, uh, subordinate to everything that we've asked you to do for this entire season, but maybe this time you can do what we say. And she's like, no, bitch, I'm fucking smarter than y'all. I'm going <laughs> to find this fucking gas. And then immediately does, like, by the way, I fucking found it. What's up? The whole idea yeah. that they would shut down astrometrics seems silly. I mean, they put all this resources into a long-range telemetry situation like this. It's a perfect fit. Um, it was very difficult for me to watch this scene where it's 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 crystal clear that she is a dispassionate scientist. She is a, a woman of <laughs> methodology and science and and exploration. You know, and and to know that an hour earlier I watched that fucking episode of Picard where she's just a gun-toting Punisher <laughs> lunatic like. Man, I don't want to keep talking about Picard, but it's it's relevant this... in this specific case because you're right, Peter. Like, and this is what made it so disgusting. Like, everything you know about Seven of Nine from this point forward, you know, is unknown to you for the most part. But allow me to spoil for you that like her core characterization of her competencies doesn't really change. And the idea that she's fucking space Batman in the future instead space of Punisher. like yeah, Space Punisher, sorry. Instead of working at the fucking Daystrom Institute or at some think tank or doing science shit is mind-boggling. And it shows a complete lack of maturity in writing. Yep. 
I mean, I, I, I haven't seen all of Voyager. I'm, I'm sort of watching it with you guys so I can, you know, enjoy the podcast, right? Aww. And I, 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 oh, yeah. Um, can you feel the love all the way across the I can. I can, I can smell the dog yeah. shit that you're tracking around <laughs> as you walk through turds with us. Yeah. So I was, I was going to say, um, I, I had just assumed that something happened in the Voyager, like later on down in the Voyager plot of of you know causing her to become space punisher like cuz i had no idea like when there was that horrific scene of of you know her her son or whatever getting um you know basically pulled apart in 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 picard i thought i i then thought oh maybe she has a kid or you know i i don't know and i don't want to spoil it for people that are also in my position but that's what i had had sort of assumed but hearing you guys talk about it and 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 the stuff that Terence had to say that doesn't seem like it's the case nope well that that is the case for picard is that nothing makes sense it's bizarro um it makes me hate it even more (laughs) so she uh she has had a a a gotcha bitch moment there on uh chakotay as all of a sudden the sensor banks off and she says look there it is we've got a perfect source of deuterium and chakotay is like oh that's a no-go because we are talking about not the normal class m planet that we're always going on to but a uh was a class y Demon class? Correct. Demon class planet. The worst thing and the, the, the biggest sin that I think they commit here, again, putting putting my super nerd hat on, I had to go and do some maths for this one. But, you know, Seven employs her employment contract with Paramount for her five minutes of, of screen time. And this source at this demon planet is, is 0.4 light years away, right? Now... We, we found mm-hmm. out at the start of the episode, Paris turns around and says, hey, I, we can only go like one quarter impulse for a week or something something pretty slow like that, right? Correct. Yes. So quick research. According to Voyager canon, full, impoise, full, full, impo- bleh, full impulse is 0.8 speed of light. So one quarter impulse is 0.2 speed of light. This planet is 0.4 light years away. It takes a speed of light 0.4 years or 146 days to travel that distance. Traveling at 0.2 of that speed means Voyager is traveling at a constant one quarter impulse, taking 730 days to reach that planet at maximum speed they can they can do. And given we can do a few weeks at one quarter, um, obviously I've done my maths wrong because you know it couldn't have been sloppy writing. It just can't. Think about the sequence of events there. They specifically put the speed in the episode that they're stuck going and then decided to specifically put the distance to their location. And not one of these fucking jabronis actually thought for a second, Hey, does our, does our speed make sense with the distance we've chosen here? Yeah. But look, uh, is that the case? Was was Chakotay's sister there like dry humping him? (laughs) (laughs) No. Hit Chakotay's. Chakotay's Maquis sister wasn't there, like being sexy, breathy with them. No, okay. Well, you know what? Fuck your space math. We're fine. <laughs> it's not Picard. Move along. Yeah, there's uh, totally space math has excellent counterpoint. My yeah. pedigree, chum, you did it. Yeah, there's, there's space totally... math has never been Voyager's strong point, no. and and thankfully, I'm bad at math too. So I've been blissfully ignorant of it until you just rub my face in it. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Damn. in the writers' room, you know, they 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 were like, "Hey, do you reckon there's going to be like four massive fucking nerds uh, talking about thirty from years from now podcast doing the math, calling us on it?" it but but oh. this is Star Trek. How did they not think that? Uh, well, that's a good yeah, point. I guess that's like 
Yeah, they at this, especially at this point, it's not like they're making TNG and they're like, uh, I don't know how dedicated this new wave. <laughs> this is this is two shows deep after that point. Yep. They know, they know, they have writers like that are are working like Brian Fuller at this point that came up like uh, idolizing you know Berman era Trek, and that's is like their their first big break is working for them. Well, you they can like Berman era Trek and still be bad at math, all right, man? That's 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 the. <laughs> School. I'm that's the lesson. From. Okay. I mean, uh, I like that. That's the lesson. That's good. We get into the ready rooms, not the ready room, the conference room scene where they're trying to come up with a battle plan on how they're going to deal with this. And nobody's really got any great options. Uh, the demon planet gets thrown out there, but uh, they dismiss it until and and credit where credit is due. I think Harry Kim gets up and I mean, really, at the end of it, this is the episode where Harry Kim grows a backbone and it is some massively deserved character growth and not only like him getting up on his soapbox and saying like here's my ideas and here's how it's going to be and even though i'm an ensign i'm still sitting at the big boys table and it's time for my voice to be heard but uh we'll later get a scene in the turbo lift where paris calls him on he's like you know jesus what what did you drink this morning when you're full of all this piss and vinegar big bulge and in a a excellent moment of self-recognition and world recognition uh he's like listen man i've been to cougar planet and turned into an alien i died i ruined a civilization's uh death belief myths i've been sucked out into space like he recaps a good four you know, i've been to prison i had to fight jesus <laughs> Hey, remember when you and me got locked into prison together and I had to threaten to kung fu fight everyone to get us I'd out? Help clean up all those guys Lon Suter killed after we gave the ship away both times. <laughs> um, but the end result is Harry grows. Harry's balls drop, basically. Yep. And it is wonderful to watch. The credit needs to be given to Garrett Wang specifically in this case, because they give him a lot of opportunity in this episode actually to like. Just there's this like a basically two long scenes he has where he he just gets to uh, bro down with Paris and like express himself. And there's another good scene at the end while the ending is baffling. His performance is good. Mm. And it's I guess it's it's particularly notable because you and I have bagged on him so much. And I think deservedly so for being the show's weakest actor. And this was him stepping up and like the writers did him a solid with what they put him in in this episode and he rose to the occasion and it is really good speaking of um you know acting chops as well i i gotta also hand it to uh robert uh bell is it belgrave beltran beltran Beltran, sorry I, i gotta hand it to robert beltran so like i don't know whether he his acting was more on point in this episode because he was given like more of a you know a uh, a part in the episode to play or whether or not the way the episode was written and just the circumstances of the story played up to the way he acts the Chakotay character because he seems stronger and, and better in this episode. Like I didn't find myself rolling my eyes at him too much. <laughs> Calm and Which confident. I usually I mean, do. I didn't roll my eyes at you too much. <laughs> Good job. Chakotay. You did it. Mm-hmm. At some point, I want to say it was uh, end of season two, we gave him our MVP. And I, I think that with the exception of his secret Australian girlfriend episode, which I just didn't like overall. I mean, he's he's been solid uh, in, yeah. in everything that 
we've seen that I oh minus the the World War Two one. I think he was a little two dimensional on that. But anytime he's got a chance to be a yes man and 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 a point man, uh, he does well. And I think that the interactions that we've seen between him and Bellana, especially when they're strained. Uh, have been coming off especially good. Yeah. But the end result of the the Harry sales pitch on how to get this deuterium is to specially outfit uh, one of the junkiest shuttles they can <laughs> and launch him and Paris off into space to go down to the planet's surface and collect the stuff in person. Uh, and it's, it's, it's Paris he volunteers because, as we found in the... Uh, Oh, what were those guys? The the hunter dudes, Herogen. The Herogen, as we found in the Herogen episodes, there are only two spacesuits for Star Trek. They came from Star Trek uh, First Contact. <laughs> yeah. They're very expensive, and you can have as many people in spacesuits as you want, as long as only two of them are visible on screen at any time. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to be Tom and Harry going off in this death cart to. Uh, get a gas run so they don't have to end up trying to push Voyager back home. The- it's worth pointing out that they did have the, they tried to beam it up first yep. and it just fucked up the transporter. And like, they did like try to like, they put in that scene that we always fucking complain about them not having of like, why did they didn't do the simple thing first? And they're like, let's do the simple thing first. That didn't work. Oh no. Now we must put our people in danger. But they did so the, they, simple they, in the worst way possible. Where they they tried to beam this stuff into a the, yeah beam beam evil deuterium shh, with shh, gas. Quiet, quiet. No, 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 no. <laughs> shh, shh. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> don't, 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 don't take this away from me. My, well, my we only concession to that scene is that console. Seven managed to get her uh, her additional two minutes of scene time that, as per her contract. She did. That's true. We we did have another exploding console as well. I've been keeping track of those. <laughs> yeah, the whole transporter array just just. Yeah. There was like three IEDs that went off in there. It was a, it was fucking bad. Uh, you know, beaming poison gas up into the room, I think, is a, is a good reason for an explosion. But a bad reason to have two people in the room. Or anyone in the room. Like, why not go, hey, you know, we're beaming, you know, acid gas or whatever the, you know, whatever the chemical is. We're beaming it into the room. Why don't we, like, beam it remotely or beam it into a containment Because it's a Starfleet. They signed up for the fun stuff like this, man. (laughs) This is a good point. Same reason they don't have robots or holograms. Same reason they don't send the doctor out to the fucking poisonous surface where humans can't survive. (laughs) Or Tuvok, who's, you know, a mega Vulcan and can survive in the most harshest of conditions, as we found out in the elevator. Um, They go out on the shuttlecraft. We have a very uneventful landing. When I say uneventful, I mean cheap. There's no exterior shots of the shuttle, really, as they hit all this turbulence. And they're just like sitting there. They shake the camera on. They're like, "Okay, we landed and uh, kept it under budget. Good job. Get our expenses. Hey, listen. After watching that episode of Picard where they had this entire space uh, chase that involved zero shots in space, was, this was so much more forgivable. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but they get out onto a very familiar planet hell. It's the same cave we always see, uh, but that's about where it ends. I thought that the surface of this uh, demon class planet looked fucking badass. I love the red overcast mm. skies. I love the filters they use. Uh, there's some pools of mercury laying around, which are going to become a real big deal later on. 
and them in their spacesuits, like it's just ridiculous. You never see this kind of stuff in any sort of Trek and it worked. And even though a simple lighting changes, mm-hmm. I loved it all. I think you get some true appreciation yeah, from Harry later in the, uh, later in the episode. I think he really brings it together nicely for you. The, the pools of silver that they have laid out and they, they show and instantly, you know, a hand or some shits coming out. They're like one way or yeah. another, these that guys is a are danger gonna... pool. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that is where the space danger is. It's in here, guys. They're not putting this liquids the on these spot. sets. Yeah. They're, they're not putting liquids on these sets unless someone is going to end up drowning in this thing. And the first <laughs> thing I think of, it's like, I could, I could actually go for like an Aramis skin of evil. Like this is the, yes. the other race of like the, the silver ones to the, the TNG black ones. Um, They've got some playful banter going back and forth. Playful it doesn't banter, bother or was, me. Was it, was it lame? Oh, come on. No, it was playful banter. It was, it was, it was B minus. It was B minus level. This has <laughs> earned interactions. You know, we've been through enough Harry and Tom buddy episodes, and I think they've stuck the landing enough time that it, it's been a while since we've circled around to something like this hot and heavy uh, so I would say we're due and I've got I've got no complaints. Uh, you know, neither of them was vaping. So, <laughs> hey, we're straight. OK, uh, but they do the classic, you know, we're going to focus on Tom's face. Harry hasn't said anything. He looks back. Harry's gone. And wouldn't you know it? Harry ended up in the GAC <laughs> and uh, we get a suit breach. Unlike the time Tom and Bellana got stuck out in space trying to fish the warp core back by themselves for some reason, instead of having four hours of a slow death, it's like, yeah, you got three seconds and now your air is gone. And also, Tom, you're going to have a suit penetration, too, and you guys can just lay there dead on the floor Uh, up in the sky. This this was a bewildering moment. We've we've criticized. I've criticized Janeway many times at this point about just making these unilateral decisions without really consulting the crew. I think sometimes she forgets where the conference room is and it's just like, I think I want to do this. Yeah, we're going to do this. And this might be one of the most extreme cases, her just making a snap decision. Well, this is literally a decision of, well, you know, eh, we might we might get fucked. Whatever. I guess this is where we get fucked, right? This is where we all die if we die. Land the fucking thing. <laughs> I love I love how her two options are like, um, you know, Chicote goes down with another shuttle. Um, and also, by the way, just by the by, I don't think do they get the shuttle back? Because I know that like like a chump, they leave the fucking door open. Did you guys notice that? So like all <laughs> yeah, the yeah, all the... like any hobo could have come in there. What the fuck? Well, isn't it meant to be like you know super hot and you know it's going to melt all the vinyl and you know fuck up the carpet <laughs> and all that sort of stuff? They're like, not getting that deposit fee back no. on that show. No, they're going to have to pay the cleaning the cleaning charge. But um, I was going to say yeah. So she has um her two options because there's always two. It's like Chicote goes down with another shuttle or they stay up in space, run out of fuel and die. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Harry was able to make the the shield modifications or whatever to the spacesuits. Like, why not make those modifications oh, and the shuttle to, why not make those modifications to the probe that they were going to send down and send the fucking probe down, right? Send the fucking probe down. <laughs> with, with the doctor on it. 
with, with his mobile yeah, emitter attached to the Whatever. Yeah. You've got a miner, like, he's a little computer program that fits in a jet, tiny widget. Yeah. You send him down there and he can just, he can grab a pickaxe and just go at it or whatever the fuck he needs. As you've already said, will later come to be the case for certain Mark 1s. Yeah. That's li- yeah, that's literally canon for uh, Mark 1s. <laughs> they get to be miners. We Here's know they ram- can do it. I, I don't want to shit on this episode harder than than we are, because, again, I do ultimately really enjoy this episode. This is a ramrod moment, and there was a decision in the writer room that, hey, uh, you know, we've got some budget that we've accumulated after that very budget-friendly um, Doctor and Future episode uh, that we're going to record at the local library. <laughs> uh we want to do voyager lands on the surface of a hostile planet and you know get stuck in the mud episode so yeah janeway's like uh yeah fuck it just just even though we spent like a whole scene talking about how this planet is full of acid and gas that are gonna <laughs> rip everything to shreds yeah take the whole fucking ship down there and i would have never thought i mean because we've had two landings up to this point there was the one where the kazon yep dinosaur planet and then the fucking 37s right that was a landing episode yeah right yes and i think that's the two times we've landed the ship i never would thought i'd say the words there was a very exciting landing sequence on star trek voyager but i i thought it was pretty fucking cool i absolutely thought it was cool the cgi was i mean although it looks um like it's from that era now yeah Man, I thought that I thought they did a good job. Like yeah. they, it was pretty cool. And they also didn't reuse their shots from 37s just like Peter said, and considering like how bad those were and how obvious the reuse of them was in the past, it's like they automatically get extra credit for trying. <laughs> like the tyranny of low expectations is real in this case. I want to apologize right now. Uh, you know, we've been off on Picard for what 6 weeks. I think yeah, too, too fucking long. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, all, all that discussion we had earlier about why would she land the ship on Poison Planet? <laughs> Unnecessary. She's the fucking trap queen. That What, what a primo opportunity <laughs> of to fuck the crew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see it. I think sense. this is this is where we all die. So I'm let's sorry. go. I'm sorry. What did you say, Chakotay? Uh <laughs> Land the ship and get a stuck in space goo. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't know. Jakoda looks nobody pretty, else too- pretty keen, right? When, when as soon as she says it, does he does he stop her? Does he go, oh, I don't know, maybe we should. No, no, no. He like runs to the com and's all like, hey, I wish Tom could see this. And just like well, starts going for Tom, I'm touching your buttons, Tom. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my getting... fingers and putting coronavirus all over your, your non-holographic display, Tom. Oh, I'm getting my hand drugs all over your thing. You're gonna have a spirit question to come back. Uh, that was a really cool landing though and I think it was a fun landing because even though it's a ridiculous situation to to land the ship on the ultra dangerous planet like it's still I mean she's got a clear point like you can die up in space and be fucked without gas and we've already talked at length like if starships can't go warp you're fucked like the the whole um, omega particle conundrum and like why that was so dangerous so yeah this is uh, this is you got to play all your cards because you got one shot at this uh, they pull it off. It looks cool. The acting on the bridge is good. And uh, we get some follow-up scenes where Janeway's like, all right, Chakotay, go find our missing crew members who are probably dead at this point. But uh, it'll only be you and one other person because we only have two suits we're allowed to use. So uh, 
Balana, who this is the first time Roxanne Dawson's been back on the show since she had her kid. Yeah, still sporting the coat for continuity reasons, yeah. but clearly not pregnant anymore. So they shot her low on purpose to be like, ah, see, she wasn't pregnant, guys. Everything was fine. just your that was just your brain playing tricks on you. <laughs> um, sh- it, the ship's all fucked up too, right? Like they they've got like, tons of problems. So, and when she goes to Dakota and she's like, "You got to let me go because I got to help you find time." He's like, "No, you're too hot headed." And she's like, "What me hot headed? I didn't even throw a <laughs> cup at you." And he's like giving her this big long speech about why she can't go find Tom because she's too close. How about the fact she's the fucking chief engineer and like ninety five percent of things are broken right now and she's got a better place to be than like going on a safari. No, that's not needed. She's got Vorik to uh, handle the transporter repairs and everything else is easy. Yeah. Yeah. We had the reappearance of everyone's favorite rapist Vulcan. <laughs> uh, un- I'm sorry. Unsuccessful rapist Vulcan. Uh, he uh, shows up to uh, just spice his scenes up with a little, uh, little, little I'm a uh, Vulcan. Here's my uh, matter of fact uh, declarations of our demise. You know, <laughs> moments is always nice, but the 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 next big twist the big twist is that uh, it is Chakotay and Seven of Nine who go out in the two spacesuits <laughs> after and uh, they stumble across I, a I, I will uh, point out oh, that it was Balana's recommendation to take, take Seven and that, I feel that's important to note because they have had heavy conflict in the past specifically coming from um balana being hostile towards seven so it's good character development man i'm saying good great appreciate credit due like what a little fanboy i am like i i feel like i just got out of fucking solitary confinement or like waterboarding i'm like oh good i get to sleep on a stone card waterboarded you no i like it that's canon i, I that's get what the show is like a- it's 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 like being slowly drowned <laughs> Just, but you're not actually dying, but you mm-hmm. feel like you're dying every now moment. I go back to my cell and lay on a, a stone floor, and it's it's so comfortable and nice. And you know, I really appreciate how good it gets the kinks out of my back. It's I really recommend it. Um, but no, she is like, uh, you know, take seven. I recognize uh, her strong points in this, and now that there's real investment for me, now that my boyfriend's life is on the line, I'm gonna cut the shit and uh, and give her the credit where it's due. Mm. Uh, there's also the, a silly B plot going on here. We should probably throw out about uh, some sort of real world Voyager edition where Neelix and the doctor are in uh, a petty squabble about who's going to sing. Yeah. More. Oh, they're they're all about to die from not having space gas. And the B plot is Neelix beefing with the doctor about sleeping on his bio beds with the three random stand-in extras that got paid uh, to be on camera that day. But, but no and, lines. Uh, it, it feels very out of place. Yeah, no lines, as is tradition. <laughs> Just facial um, expressions. I would have enjoyed if Neelix had been like, you know, the last time I was on this bed, I uh, was getting a lung from my child girlfriend installed. Or I was getting e- euthanized by Captain Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, what oh, a damn. mind! Fu- yeah, last time <laughs> I was sleeping in this room, it was a gas chamber where I was executed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, but you I know gotta... what, Neelix? We know Neelix <laughs> likes being abused. He's a he's a masochist, so of course he would pick that bed to sleep in. <laughs> it brings back those those sweet memories of Death's Embrace, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Great Forest. <laughs> yep. oh. 
but I gotta I gotta hand it to the doctor. I I love how much of a bitch he has been in this scene. Like you know, lights, you know, maximum illumination, and he's singing <laughs> and pl- plunking stuff down as hard as he can on the counter and stuff. I'm I'm just loving it. Absolutely loving it. I mean, this ultimately is a pretty pretty potentially dark and scary episode, especially up to this point because we haven't had a big twist yet. So this is the the comic relief aspect of what is you know. A fairly fairly dark and, and dismal episode, right? The next revelation Ooh. is seven, seven and oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just I just had to throw another two weeks reference in there. Um, with <laughs> <laughs> you get nearly we got plenty um, of room for those in this podcast. Man. <laughs> You've come to the right place. <laughs> you get nearly you're in the right you're in the right port of call. <laughs> You, you get Neelix doing some reverse passive aggressive stuff to the doctor, right? And he and he like threatens to do you know some singing and this sort of stuff. And he specifically references knowing a charming funeral dirge. And we know where that episode. A Vulcan funeral dirge. Yeah, sorry, a Vulcan, Vulcan funeral dirge, which is specifically the one that he learns for when he and Tuvok are collecting plant plant, plant specimens in Tuvix. Ooh. <gasps> Oh my god! Yeah. Only other time it's referenced, and that's it. They have oh, continuity. Wow, Kenneth Bewilder, you cheeky cad! Oh, you cheeky fucker! You wow. cheeky fucker! Wow! Oh. oh, Harry Kim's not the only busting out previous episode knowledge. That's it. <laughs> oh damn! I. That is, that is a quality oh. quality pick up there, Taryn. Well done. That that is that was only on you've you've, you've changed four. my. <laughs> you yeah, yeah you know what your dedication to Sparkle Motion is a hundred percent like <laughs> certifiable. <laughs> Bless you, sir. <laughs> uh, after that uh, mind blowing revelation that Tuvix is canon and not forgotten. Uh, <laughs> They find Harry Kim, or not Harry Kim, the Tom Paris, just chilling without a uh, environmental suit because there's only two, and uh, they're like, uh, "Hey Tom, how you feeling, buddy? You should be totally dead right now." And he's like, "I'm great. I've just started a vegan diet. I've got more energy. <laughs> I'm doing been hitting the gym. I'm doing CrossFit. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. This is the anno- he's an annoying CrossFit guy. Have I told you about the atmosphere of this planet? Just take your take your helmet off. Cut great. It'll feel sharp. great. You can cut pennies with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's brilliant, guys. You should do it. And they're like, yeah, uh, Tom. How about we don't do that? <laughs> and instead, why don't you show us where Harry is? And I swear you can box jump the whole way back to sick bay. <laughs> like Chicote and... be like, okay, Tom, that's uh that's a good proposal, but how about plan B? Um I uh stun you like you're a fucking salamander crawling out of a <laughs> pool of water with your children, and I drag your unconscious body back to the ship again. Um it this is like a really interesting tone that they play this off because this could be some super top shelf space horror and they play it off like okay well something's kind of not right but it's like man if i was starfleet and i saw my buddy come around the corner breathing 
toxic hell gas and be like, yeah, man, take your take your helmet off. Like, I don't know kind of event horizon shit just went through you, but I bet if I shot you with a phaser, your fucking head would explode like a water balloon and like scorpions would come out like there is something if they had done some sinister music or a little bit of different lighting. I mean, we would be talking about just some straight up horror movie situation. But then if, if that wasn't enough as well, his story of like, yeah, yeah, we blacked out <laughs> and then we woke up oh, and it was fucking hilarious. We laughed and laughed like, what is that? I mean, once the face hugger <laughs> fell off and I could talk again, <laughs> just, the giggles didn't stop. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh. Uh, so they get him back to the ship. Uh, they they beam him in and, you know, splitting hairs or whatever, but... When you know you've got two crew members who should have had their faces melted off from like the acid gas, beaming them directly into sick bay where the captain is standing, you know, shared air, like no quarantine field or anything, seems like some pretty sloppy operating procedures, even for Voyager. But uh, for the second time, uh, Tom Paris finds himself without breath and clawing at his throat, uh, a la, again, threshold, because <laughs> wouldn't you know it? Tom can't breathe normal air again. What? What, what as turns out has happened to our... Uh, they're now imprisoned in sickbay because they have been imprisoned by the planet. <laughs> uh, so... Oh, uh, prison the, episode. Yeah. I had <laughs> to find a way to make it. Yeah. Ah, we did it. Uh, the What the doctor explains is that the planet has terraformed them into essentially adapting to the environment uh their dna has been changed so they can only breathe the atmosphere outside that it isn't toxic to them anymore and he doesn't actually have a way a to fix it quite yet or b how to replicate the atmosphere so they literally can't leave until they fix this or they'd have to leave them behind so that becomes kind of the urgency behind the episode from that point forward is they're gassing the ship up they're getting the fuel that they need but they also uh need to now solve the issue of Oh, oh yeah, we've um, we've got a D little demon house on planet. The uh, Tom and and Terry, because God forbid we ever run into another space prison. We don't have Tom around to fashion a, a shiv out of a fucking uh, pair of sunglasses or some shit like that. Like we'd be all fucked. Did did you guys watching this through the first time instantly think, "Where's Seven? Why isn't she walking through the door and injecting them with nanoprobes to fix that whole problem?" Though. <laughs> No, I didn't, damn it. And thank you for uh, crushing me by reminding me that's probably what they should have done, Peter. I would have uh, liked to see Tuvok come in and been like, well, you know, we left you and Chakotay behind. Let's just leave these clowns, too. Like, <laughs> we're willing to leave the captain and the EXO. Let's get rid of the fucking convict and the man-child. <sighs> Give him that pet monkey. Let's, let's get some silver in its blood and that monkey can cock block Paris. <laughs> Oh God, the cock block monkey! Yeah, uh, was I forget who posted the video of them all talking about how stupid that episode is? Like all the actors at some fucking convention, <laughs> or like it, like with Kate Mulgrew being like, "Can you believe they wrote an episode where a fucking monkey cock blocks Chicote?" That is some embarrassing <laughs> shit. Kate Mulgrew says that. Holy shit! Yeah, incredible. Yeah, oh, it's it's good. They're all fucking dying. Like her, like explaining the episode the exact same way that we saw it. Like. <laughs> Oh, oh you got you got to find that and put that in the show notes. I I got to check that out. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, I we we can. It, it's in the the trauma support group. Um, I think this is a really good uh, plot development. 
Um, obviously, there's going to be a a radical twist towards the end, but this is familiar territory. Like we said, uh, in threshold, you know, Tom had this, uh, bioforming thing. Mm. Uh, we did do, uh, whatever little house on the, what was little house on the prairie episode called where Janeway and, and Chakotay are stuck behind. So like, this is, it feels like we're retreading old ground. I'm not really questioning. And it. it's like, okay, so how are they going to undo what's, you know, the sinister, uh, silver as they'll call it later on the silver blood. Um, they go out to try and get some more answers and get the deuterium. They leave Tom on the ship and both Tom and Harry are very keen to get back out on the planet. Uh, they don't want to be on the ship. And it's not like crazy time like it is sometimes when we've got crew members under alien influence or like, no, I must push this button. You're like, you can't push that button. It's going to freeze everybody. Does, but I must push the button right now. They're just like, yeah, man, I, I don't want to be here. I want to be out. Uh, they get back out. And as they're crawling around on the surface, uh, it's uh, Seven and Chakotay and Kim. They find some uh, some life forms. And I really enjoyed the fact that they're like, oh, we found life on the planet. Let's get our guns out and go find them with our award winning hospitality a la Voyager. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so they go it's... off on the so they don't get the wrong idea. You know, whoever these other people are, they don't get the wrong idea and think that we're here for anything other than to steal their space rocks. Uh, and they turn, <laughs> they turn the corner. They get, they get Chicote and and seven of nine out of frame, so they can move the suits onto other people. And uh, they find two Federation crew members laying on the floor, and it is none other than another Kim and another Paris. And boy, doesn't other other Kim look surprised? He does a great job of showing like genuine shock of what the hell is going on here. Uh, Mike, you had something to say. Uh, I can, you can cut this out. We can talk about it later because it's going to be more topical. But uh, I was going to say, you know, this is essentially like a first contact scenario. They basically have found new life. I think I think earlier in the episode, they, they say, oh, the Federation, you know, class Y planets or demon class planets, you know, don't harbor any life. And and basically they they end up effectively like torturing and, and basically being complete assholes to, the, to these life forms. But I think that's going to be more topical when Janeway is, you know, effectively torturing clone Harry Kim later on. So we can talk about it then. Well, I mean, we're almost there. So um, let's let's. Let's go ahead and cut to the chase. Uh, the sci-fi mindfuck of this episode is that the Harry Kim and Tom Paris that we, the viewer, have been given every reason to think are the quote-unquote real Harry Kim and Tom Paris are, in fact, not. Okay? And usually when we get these kind of body swapper, body snatcher, impersonator plots, it's usually like clear black hats are the ones doing that, right? And the cool twist on this episode is that's not the case. What they convey is a level of uncertainty, a little level of like confusion on the part of the Tom and Harry that they have versus the ones that seem to be in a coma that they have refound. And uh, the, the situation escalates because the silver goo starts to suck the entire ship down up below the surface and um you know the 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 not harry and not tom are still acting like harry and tom but they clearly have like an otherness to them of knowing things or feeling things they shouldn't otherwise know or feel uh what i would use to describe this if it wasn't a tainted word is they have activated 
<laughs> yes. They have. They have some awareness of their otherness. And this, the episode climaxes in a situation where, in an effort to get to the bottom of what was going on in the most uh, violent way possible, <laughs> or, like, conflict-oriented way possible, is that uh, Janeway beams Harry, the not-Harry, back into the um, transporter room and starts demanding answers. And when answers are not forthcoming, starts using basically, torture. you know, space, space lasers to torture the, the goo to make him talk. And that's when they finally let loose with the twist, which is this is a first contact situation. Yeah. And what Tom and Harry accidentally did is made the goo sentient. Oops, that's a prime directive breach. Little bit, boys. Yet another episode where Voyager or some member of the crew is responsible for the creation of an entire sentient species. And maybe, spoilers, we're going to kill them all. Is is Janeway a god? Is she like a Q and she doesn't know it? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to these people, they she keep, literally gave them thought. They keep creating sentient species. I mean, yeah. I think it works. It's it's good. It's not like this is Harry bungling around in the space spider asteroid episode and telling people that God's not real or, or whatever he got into there. Like, you know, the, the, this silver goo got through their suit. And um, again, the, the body doubles not being malicious. Uh, Janeway's space lasers in this wasn't to specifically torture or harm. It was to try and get this goo stuff to back the fuck up off Voyager so they could fly away and get out of there. Um, so it's it's a very interesting dynamic going on. And what supports this entire exchange is, uh, again, it's, it's radical sci-fi, which is fun. It was a plot twist I wasn't expecting. And it's some uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic excellent exchange between uh garrett and kate mulgrew uh the the harry kim clone and um janeway and i think janeway really does a good job of pressing the like let let us go and we'll talk and them saying no we can't let you go and like nobody's really the bad guy and no one's really willing to back down Mm. and i think it plays a good tension Everyone is a little panicked. Everyone's a little scared. Everyone acts that way. And I agree. This is probably the best scene Garrett Wang and Garrett Mulgrew have shared in the entire series. And Hands down. Uh, Garrett Wang does a great job of once like the explanation emerges of like he seems to put it together and explains it like in the moment. Like he didn't get it until then. He's like, oh, that's what happened. I'm a copy of him in every single way possible. And what happened is that, you know, I was aware, you know, or whatever I was, was aware. And then I encountered Harry and I was able to, to like synthesize that into sentience to go from instinct to thought. And I, I, you know, like I want more of that. Like I, I want to have more thought and more of this happening. Um, what happens next is crazy, but Mike, why don't you go ahead and unload first? Well, I, I was just going to say, do you think the clone of Harry Kim, um, <laughs> likes to dream of his mother's womb when he's lying in bed with his <laughs> weird, weird mask on? 
I think even more so. Like I, he's, you know, he thinks of the pool. He thinks of the pool, of the pool of silver. I uh, thought you were going to ask if he dreams of electric sheep because when you were just talking about, you know, what he wants more of, my my thought was, you know, he could have been like, I want more life, fucker, in a Rucker Hauer moment. But <laughs> oh, rip, everything rip, up to this gonna, point, pull one out for Rucker Hauer. Sci- yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything up to this point, excellent sci-fi. And again, I, I really feel there's a lot of parallels in this episode to Threshold because you're like, all right, man, this all works. This is good sci-fi. And they're like, yeah, look at that. Well, that was a really good plot twist, wasn't it? Uh, you know, he's a he's a salamander and he's, you know, in a salamander form. They're they're really clones and they just want life. They don't want a, any trouble. This is this is a first contact. This is going to be a good interaction with them. Yeah. OK, so how do we uh, how we how do we solve this? Or, you know, we got. 20 seconds left to the episode. All right, great. Uh, the whole crew is going to clone themselves and be left behind on the surface. What? what? Well, I don't know what? whether you guys picked it up right, but he's like, she's like, what do you want? He's like, we want DNA. And then she's like, right, get everyone to the cargo bay. We're going to straight out the airlock. Insert new porn parody theme music here. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh, God. We now need to share this- our DNA. Could have very easily been a two-part episode because, like I said, everything up to this has been good bottle-and-episode format until you reach this last part where we want to clone the people on your ship. And Janeway, like, cool, we'll just give you the DNA material so you can clone. And, you know, they'll have to agree to it. And they're like, yeah, cool. But when Voyager ends up flying away from the surface... Like the whole fucking crew worth of clones is now down on the surface. The year have held them. Everything that we have seen about Starfleet is like individuality (laughs) is a big deal. People do not like the idea of being cloned or duplicated. And they have very negative reactions uh, to anything like that. So to like rush through the last five seconds of the episode Mm. where Janeway somehow like that could have been an excellent episode in and of itself of like, hey, do you want to let this happen? But the end result is Voyager leaves and there is now a colony of Starfleet Maquis personnel on Demon Planet out in the Delta yeah. Quadrant. I didn't see any yeah, food. It, it's, it's literally just everybody get into the cargo bay. You're getting cloned by the space people, the space goo. We barely understand. I just had a conversation with a clone of my ops officer who says it's totally cool and he just wants to have more more people to talk to. So you put on your daddy pants. You about to be a metal person. T-1000. You're a T-1000 and you're a T-1000. You're a T-1000. Um, no discussion. No no ramification check. We're no, pretty sure it's not going to give you cancer. No, just, all right. And then that's it. They just cut away to just, here's a whole bunch of people on this planet now. <laughs> yeah, with, Bye. With do, nice do, do. supplies. Eva. Back to the Alpha Quadrant. Hopefully this has no consequences. I would have loved to have seen the entire, yeah, the the, the Terminator crew waving as, as the ship flew off. That would have just finished it yeah. off nicely for me. Oh, better, better yet would be like a thumbs up. You know, like <laughs> sinking into the yep. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. the thumbs up you get is back in the med bay where uh, Balana had her thumb accidentally cloned. Oh yeah, that thumb right. going down into that. the petri dish. Yeah. Uh, who who agreed to be cloned? Who did not agree? Like, there's been again so many episodes where there's a big stink about like I don't want 
my material floating around out there. Like this is just a crazy, what are these 45 minutes? Like, you know, 44 minutes and 30 seconds, like decisions of how do we going to change this? Uh, and I'm okay with it. I'm 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 happy to know that there are more Harry Kim. There's now three Harry Kims in this universe. Um, I think we could have some very dark discussions about like, what if there was a double cross or like, hey, listen, uh, uh, you know, put these guys on ice. We can use them for like Orvin harvest, and we can like trade them to Vidians if we ever see those guys again. <laughs> uh, let's hang around on the surface of the planet for like a couple weeks and figure out if there's not a way to somehow get like respirators going. And maybe we bring some of these crew members along since, you know, we're super limited on uh dilithium experts and, and two Vox and everything else. Like the, the death, what was it? A uh, death. We called it death clock. It was death lock where the Vidian, the Vidians successfully raid Voyager and kill everybody and it's like a super brutal episode but for a minute there it looked like there could be two crews that's when where harry kim gets cloned like now is your chance to like replenish the crew stocks uh and the biggest question we should be asking ourselves is when they were handing over clone i'm sorry genetic data is there any chance in hell we had old tissue samples of lon Suter or seska land (laughs) (laughs) this was our way to get him back (laughs) This was our way to get him back. Oh, can oh you we really missed out. We could have had we could have had uh, Lon Suter with T one thousand upgrades. Oh gosh, <laughs> Seska with T one thousand, man. He's, Dude, his they arms would cloned... become the mo- the metal pipes. They they could have cloned an army oh. of Lon Suters. Like right, how many pipes we got on this ship? A hundred <laughs> spare pipes, right? A hundred suitors. That's our fucking army. Bam. Just they just go back to the Borg, and then like you thought you thought the space mutus were bad, and they just open they just open. <laughs> the back of the ship right and it's just all these lawn suitors double fisting pipes just flying at them like data and in nemesis think about these, you know, trying to like warp away you know like oh could have, would have been beautiful think about how much energy you could save since this is ultimately an energy conservation episode like how much energy you could save if you didn't have to have shields up anymore because if people beam on the ship they're just there's no way in hell they're going to be happy once those pipes start flying and hitting them in the head um <laughs> Yeah, I mean that uh, another great way for them to have brought back are there any characters that have died that we care. That's another thing. Like, okay, hey, here's you know people that died that we did genuinely like. Um, <laughs> uh, the guy that you know died in the Kazon raids that Chakotay was a mining company. Like, you can't say like I don't like the idea of them being brought back to life. Like. If you're letting yourself get cloned, why wouldn't let your de- your dead friend get cloned and know that somewhere, you know, maybe not serial killer Lon Suter or crazy Seska, but uh, somewhere old Char, the guy that Lon Suter busted upside the head with the pipe in the first place that, you know, he's alive and out there. But go back to even earlier than that, you've lost your entire medical staff and you're relying on one doctor who doesn't want to seem to do the job half the time, which is fair enough. Surely, if they've still got Lon Suda's, uh you know, DNA and Seska's DNA and everyone else's DNA, chances are they're going to have, you know, original crew DNA somewhere. You know, maybe they could scrape it off the floor in, you know, their old quarters or something like that. And you may even be able to resurrect your entire medical staff. 
Yeah, or Jesus. if, you know, they, well, I mean, I think it's fair to say that they, they can't bring these people <sighs> on the ship to leave, but uh, if you take it from like the, you know, cut down a tree and plant a tree, they could take all the dead Ks on that were still on, you know, left over after the failed raid and just throw them out there and be like, here, you can be a new Kazon colony. Enjoy that life. <laughs> Peter, what if I told you out of all the episodes of Star Trek Voyager with all of the, that has these endings, these nebulous weird endings no. that we, I always remark on of like, they just, they never follow up on this. What if I told you, Peter, that this episode, this episode gets a sequel. I would tell you that I'm very pissed off that you spoiled such an excellent surprise if it weren't for the fact that while I was reading the goddamn Memory Alpha, which I forgot even existed. Like, we've been flying solo with Picard for so long. I'm like, oh, right. I'm supposed to, like, do homework for these things. I saw that and there was like, ah, damn it. That would have been, like, a really good surprise. But, of course, the Netflix capsule would have ruined it anyways. But that is a... I'm looking... I'm, I'm fucking psyched to see that episode. Like, what a... What a what a wild Pandora's box of possibilities that episode could be. I got to be honest this this episode, looking at it as a as a two parter, as someone who has watched the rest of Voyager a couple of dozen times. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm 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 here for you. <laughs> look, look at me. This episode, I, I'm here for you. I enjoy, but but I enjoy it more because it's got the next one. That, that, that's what closes this off perfectly for me. And it does it in such a way that I'm not going to say anymore because I'll spoil it. Yeah, they do a good job. We'll say that. It's a good one. Uh, I think as a, as a sci-fi episode, we've got a lot of good high concept stuff. As a Star Trek exploration, dudes in space suits on inhospitable planets, that's good. There's no weak acting at any point. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy Neelix being tormented by Tuvok, his his mother's blankets being clutched out of his hand. Um, so there's a lot of like legit good stuff in there. And as far as like podcasting fun, like the what the fuck moment there at the end where they're just like, yeah, sure. Have our DNA. See you later. Uh, that is infinitely excellent. This episode's got it all. 10 out of 10 would podcast again. Yeah, yeah I mean, after seven weeks of having my balls absolutely just kicked in over and over and over again, watching Picard, even my the largest complaints about this episode are trivial in comparison. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed having my wife experience the batshit loco fucking ending with me and be like, the fuck? They're just they're just there's just metal people now. What is this? What's you going even, on? You even get. Tom and Bellana romance through Bellana's like concern yeah. without actually having to see Tom and Bellana on the screen together at the same time. Like, and that's the best way to win. Yeah. Uh, I, f- I forget how we do these podcasts, Joe. What happens next? I was going to ask Mike, if he has anything to leave us on here. Well, uh, are we finished reviewing the episode? We are. So I got a bit of a surprise for you guys. <laughs> so this is, this is going to be You're episode... a metal person. He is. Uh, well. He's been cloned. <laughs> and, the real you flew away back to his planet. I wish. No, 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 no. The real me is very, very much, uh, yeah, Australian. No, no, no. Look, I was, I was going to say, I got a bit of a surprise for you guys. So it's, it's your hundredth episode, right? So I very, very stealthily uh, sent a message to every single person uh, in the trauma support group. 
Uh, and got got yeah got banned from Facebook a couple of times. So so thanks uh, to the people that reported me for spam. But basically, I uh, I sent a message to every single person and said, "Hey, the hundredth uh, episode's coming up. Uh, there's a bit of a GoFundMe. Uh, do you want to kick in kick in some money for a bit of a surprise? And I'm going to send you guys a link in our uh, Google Hangout. And I just I'd like you to click on it and I'd like you to uh, just have a look at that. Okay. Is this going to give me? Is this going to give me coronavirus? No, well, hopefully not. Is is this Robert Picardo having some sort of an interaction? Oh, Joseph and Peter, it's Robert Picardo, <laughs> and I understand that you are celebrating one hundred episodes of V'ger, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. Hmm, why does that sound familiar? Anyway, all of your fans of your podcast want to wish you congratulations, as do I. And I want to share a very brief story with you. In one episode where Mr. Tuvok had a dream that he appeared naked on the bridge, Tim Russ, as a joke for his fellow castmates, had gone to wardrobe, gotten a large black knee sock, had stuffed it, and how should I say this? Under his privacy robe, he had attached it to a certain area of his body so that during the take, when the reaction was on all of the other members of the crew, Tim was behind the camera. He removed his robe and revealed, how shall I say this, his enhanced manhood. Of course, everyone cracked up on camera except for the doctor because I was so in character, I figured I'm his doctor. I've already seen it. Congratulations on a hundred episodes. <laughs> Guys, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> I can't. What the? F- Did, Holy shit! I'm glad nobody shit. told you guys. They're they're very good at keeping a secret. So yeah. If you want That's... to see the people responsible, I'll, I'll post you guys the GoFundMe. But uh, there you go. Happy hundredth episode, guys. Well, well, Mike, well done, Mike. Mike. Taryn, that's it's fucking amazing, man. That is that's really fucking cool. great. Oh, guys, I, I, that is cool that you guys got what did that. Like, so oh, what we man. just saw was uh, a personal recorded message from Robert Picardo, the EMH, addressing uh, Joe and I, congratulating us on our hundredth episode of a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant, which he uh, shares our pain and. Uh, <laughs> Telling a, a story about Tim Russ's big dick, man. That's <laughs> that's fucking cool. That's really fucking cool, guys. Thank that you. That was yes. Oh, that's everything. Thank you, I everybody else out right there, there that played ball and uh, and reported uh, Mike to Facebook Gestapo. It's, it's a team effort. Uh, wow, that's really cool. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you to everyone who contributed to this uh, and Mike Taryn. From the bottom of my heart, that was black, wretched thing. <laughs> I, it is tiny and filled with coronavirus as it might be. I, I thank you both. That, that was so cool. <laughs> it was. That was so cool. That that guy. What what a fucking champ. Like of of all amazing. those things he could have said. You know, he absolutely nailed it. What yeah. what a gentleman. Yeah, like he yeah. easily he read whatever you sent him and be like, I know exactly the story of these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> They want to hear about Tim Russ's dick. They want to Tim Russ's dick. Oh, God bless it. Robert Picardo. You're a fucking hero. I love this cameo thing. Like this is 
that's cool that that's a thing you can get done that way that's great <laughs> oh all right oh, what what i don't know what to do uh <laughs> what oh yeah what, our our next episode peter what are we robert watching? picardo yeah what Here are we watching next week crawling through a jeffrey's tube he's got a seven and nine crawling behind him season four episode 25 one an unavoidable poisonous nebula forces the entire crew into stasis chambers all except the unaffected doctor and seven of nine who are going to save the crew again this time without leonardo da vinci holodeck program (laughs) settings maybe i don't know oh it's 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 good to be back here man it's uh it's uplifting and i'm glad we were able to come back to the delta quadrant and uh voyager in good company absolutely in great company indeed uh, uh mike taron from hail and well met and the shorts podcasts thanks again for being part of our 100th episode and man i can't thank you enough for the special treat that you and apparently many of our listeners uh put together for us via robert picardo man like that's great this show has been a delight to do it has been uh fun as hell to build a community of listeners and uh here is to another hundred episodes after this uh our sanity willing well thank you very much for having us and i've enjoyed every single second of this podcast well done Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having us on the show and thanks for including us. And just thanks for letting us be a part of what is a, you know, a loving and hating, you know, episode. <laughs> yeah, we hate, but we, we hate with love. We do. Well, we hate, we love, we but hate. we hate with love. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And uh, next week we'll both love and hate uh, whatever the fuck this episode with the uh, the one is. Uh, I like see it. See you then, guys. See ya. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and beam him back. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a yeah, two man operation back. now. Can you can you get my soul back in? That'd be no. great. Thanks. Uh, no, bad news. When you guys return back to Australia because someone's got a flower, uh, it's gonna be uh, my. Myran, would that be the the conjunction of your names? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> Myran. Oh my god, it would Tart, have tart. it would have double neck beard. <laughs>